Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Glad you're with us. And just like that, the second hour is here for Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Chad Tiger Woods. He has made 22 straight cuts at Augusta National. Will that it be is, 23, Hutton? Will it be 23? The record is 23, and it's about to push forward to 24, I believe, because Fred Couples, Freddie Couples, is one under, and he is tied for the most cuts made in consecutive years at Augusta National with Gary Player at 23 consecutive. Tiger's at 22, and he's right now on the cut line at two over at Augusta. What hole is he on? One moment. He is. We can just make he's it He's on up nine. He's okay. Still, so he's, he's about to begin he's the got second time. nine. He's got time, Hutton, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. He's even for the day. <laughs> could be good, could be bad. The storyline, though, at Augusta is Brooks Kepka, who's done with round two at 12 under. He's your leader for the Masters, followed by Sam Bennett, the amateur. 2022 champion on the the amateur champion qualified based on that victory and he's solo right now in second place at Augusta going to the weekend. Davey said this and now I can't unsee it. Every time you see S Bennett on the leaderboard, you think Stetson Bennett. Oh. And now every time I see that, all I see is Stetson Bennett. So now I'm going to intertwine the two for the rest of Sam Bennett's career and I think that his career is going to be longer than Stetson's. I'm going to go out on a limb. You think so? This 24-year-old golfer that is in contention as an amateur is going to be around and in big tournaments longer than Stetson will be around the NFL. That is my, that is my prediction. Longer than he'll be around the but relevant? Well, he's always going to be relevant in Athens, Georgia. Yeah. I mean, Stetson, Benner, Stetson Bennett Chrysler Jeep Dodge is going to be a huge moneymaker in all of well, North Georgia. I was thinking about the statues going For to years to come. Stetson Bennett's going to get a statue. Think about that. Two-time national champ. Quarterback. It is weird to think of that guy. I know. <laughs> on a statue. Like, at least with Tim Tebow, you know, it's also a two-time national champion, but a backup for the first national champion, unlike Bennett, who's a starter for both. But Tebow's, like, made of granite. Right. Right? So he's statuesque yeah. in his appearance. Like, he looks like, uh, you know, a, an ancient Roman gladiator physically. Stetson Bennett does not. <laughs> That's the best so I can say about be Stetson Bennett. He, he does not. No, they're going to make it lifelike, but you're going to look at it and say, who's the walk-on? You know, that they've got to... I mean, it should, you should ask that, though. Yeah, people are going to look at it and say, did this guy die in World War II? Is that why he's being honored here? Like, how is this yeah, guy getting right. a statue? He does not fit the mold, but, man, he... But he, a two-time national champion. Much respect trophies. to him. Brought Makes it even trophies. more impressive when you look at him and you think this guy... Delivered on the biggest stages and is a two-time national champion. And he was slinging it all over the field. Impressive with a guy that is not of a huge stature. Women's basketball team at LSU also hoisted the trophies. Another national championship. And uh, for good reason, they've accepted the invitation to the White House, as they should have. 
Angel Reese, of course, going back and forth uh, in the media this week, where we started on Monday to where we are now. Uh, she and LSU, it says all members of the team will be visiting the White House later this year, and rightfully so. Winners with the invitation to go to the White House should go, regardless of who is in office. And the comment made from Angel Reese will play over and over until the visit is made. We'll, we'll just go to the Obamas because Joe Biden didn't pick them to advance past their regional uh, in the bracket. Uh, I'm thinking to myself, the Obamas would want you to go to the White House. They wouldn't want you to visit them. You would go to the White House. And so the right decision was made. Invitations out there. And LSU said, absolutely, we would, we would want to go. So I'm glad the week ends with that instead of more sound bites and clips on why or why not they don't feel like they should go based on the first lady wanting both LSU and Iowa to visit the White House, and now it's LSU only. I happen to see a tweet from friend of OutKick, Jamel Hill, uh, who, <laughs> okay. who retweeted someone and said, <laughs> everyone in media is leaving out the fact that she did not backtrack that Angel Reese did not. She only later accepted the invitation because the White House backtracked from inviting Caitlin Clark. <laughs> and I thought about that for a second. Maybe she's right, but correct me if I'm wrong. In the podcast that we played mm -hmm. earlier this week, she is saying that at the time, Dr. Jill Biden had apologized for even mentioning that they were going to invite Iowa. And she didn't accept the apology. She said, I don't accept the apology. Right. So that's not true. They had already backtracked at that point when she stated she but, would not attend the White well, House because but, she did not accept their apology. But I'm just not into the drama here because of what I'm saying. Regardless of who's in office. 100,000%. Go to the White House. Yes. And, and so if you feel that way, then Angel Reese can say whatever she wants to. And if she wants to go, great. But LSU should absolutely go regardless of how you feel about Angel Reese, Jill Biden, whoever's in office moving forward, teams should go. And I, I, I mean, I haven't seen the Obamas say that, yeah, you should go to the White House, but I mean, I, I'm willing to bet they would tell her, yeah, make the trip. You should. Yeah, look, I would say the same thing when anyone is in office. Larry in our YouTube chat says, just a downer to go to the White House considering the pathetic loon that's in office. So many people would have said that about Donald Trump. Other people would have said that about George W. Bush. Other people would have said that about Bill Clinton. Other people would have said that about Ronald Reagan. Here is the bottom line, citizens of the United States of America. We are a democratically elected society. Yeah. And if you reach the highest office in the land, I don't care if you think the president is a Nazi. And I don't care if you think the president is senile. If you get invited to the White House by the sitting president of the United States of America, you accept that invitation. That is your duty as a citizen of the United States. Hold respect for the office and go to the White House. You can disagree with the president all you want. Also, one of the beautiful freedoms and rights we have as American citizens. We don't get gunned down in the street for disagreeing with the president or any leader. You can be vocal about your opposition to the president and how you disagree with them. But when you get an invitation, especially because you want a damn sporting event and you're going to be honored at the White House, go to the White House. You're not helping anyone by refusing invitations to the White House because you don't like the current president that's there. 
This goes for Biden. This goes for Trump. This goes for whoever the next president is. Go to the White House. And in this Very case, Very simple. Just say yes. And it has nothing to do with a, a political party in this case. It's this childish argument that Joe Biden didn't pick them in their bracket. Oh, if you if I that mean, is your excuse and your Angel Reese, that's grow, what she said. Grow the bleep up. That's what the debate has been about, and it's BS all week. Like it's just back and forth. We're not even discussing. It. We're turning it into this political debate, but it's really not. It's over whether or not Iowa should receive an invite, and whether or not it was racially toned because of what Angel Reese did versus what we saw from Caitlin Clark in the two previous rounds. And oh, by the way, Joe Biden didn't pick LSU to go out of the regional of the bracket. That, that, that's her reason. Yeah, just she go. She didn't accept the apology. Just go. Like, look, that's I'm so not stupid. I am not going to implant any political ideology into your heads. I want everyone watching this or listening to this to believe what you believe about current presidents, past presidents, sure. possible future presidents. That is our right as an American, and it is beautiful that we can have people of opposing viewpoints. The hope is we have people of opposing viewpoints that don't attack Riley Gaines also, and that we can get to a point where that doesn't happen. But if you were invited by a sitting president, you say yes. Point, blank, period, end of sentence, end of paragraph, end of book, you go, and you'd say yes every single time. It is stupid to decline any invite. And when Angel Reese is saying it's because Joe Biden didn't have them out of the Baton Rouge bracket. That's what she said. Come on. Come we are, on. We're talking about sports here. The sports are the escape. If you go to a stadium, if you go to an arena to watch a hockey game, you don't care who you're sitting next to. And that's the, that's the point here. You get the opportunity to go to the White House for what it represents for the country, not for who's holding the current office. And in this case, it was over the fact that, well, Iowa was also invited. Come on. Well, and they weren't. For good sportsmanship. They never were. In, 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 in reality, they never were invited. Joe Biden said, boy, we should invite them. And I think she said that in Iowa. I think she was like doing a speech in Iowa or somewhere where she said, you know, I think the game was so great that we should invite Iowa too. It's, let me also let you in on a little secret, okay? If I can have that camera one more time, please. I'm willing to bet, I'm not the smartest guy out there, but I know what I know. I'm willing to bet that Dr. Jill Biden is not the biggest sports person in the United States. And people who aren't sports people don't understand that it's typically only the winner and the champion, as Hutton laid out for us, that gets the invite to the White House. So if you're not a huge sports person, you may be of the, the type of thinking that says, boy, I feel like both teams really had a lot of fun out there, and it was a really competitive game. Let's invite both. I don't think that Dr. Jill Biden was being racist when she said that or thought, let's invite the white girls also to counterbalance what's going on in the White House. No, I think that she's someone who doesn't understand sports and doesn't know it. Winners win. Winners go to the White House. I'm glad LSU is going to the White House, and Jill Biden probably just doesn't understand any of that. Or do you think, Hutton, that she's got, like, the extra innings package? Does she have Sunday ticket? Is she watching all the sporting events? Think she knows exactly Again. what's going on at all times? I doubt it. Yeah. Doesn't sound I like. I doubt it. They were using the, the bracket as motivation. Also, can we, can we say this? It was a high-scoring game. It was not a great game. It was a 17-point finish. And the underdog won. 
102 to 85. It yep. was not that close. It was a 22-point game that at one point became a seven-point game and got no closer. It was yep. never within reach for Iowa from the second quarter on. So not a great game. A lot of eyeballs, entertaining because the back and forth and the points. Not a great close game. Chad, um, we've seen Angel Reese now on TikTok making a, a video dancing with John ja Morant. John ja Morant also uh, in the headlines. Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. An incident report filed in July of 2022 made public last month where Morant and his friends threatened a security director at a Memphis mall. And there's also a report now of uh, the threat was a result of a shoe salesman who helped two white customers before John Morant's mother, who was also there in the shoe store. And they also didn't have the size for the shoes that she wanted. So she sent nine of Morant's friends to go threaten the shoe salesman. This story is wacko. It's crazy. So the initial complaint from, from John Morant's mother is that she uh, helped – or not she, he, the person working the finish line shoe store. A 22-year-old African-American. 22-year-old African-American male helped two white people first. Mm -hmm. And then what really set this woman off was that they did not have her size in stock of what she wanted. And then she said, I'm going to get my son and his friends here. And then it led to the 22-year-old sales clerk locking himself in a storeroom at the finish line. With John ja Morant in an area he wasn't supposed to be in, saying he was going to wait for him to get off work. Just crazy. I know this is all hopefully John ja Morant's past and not his future. It's all part of these terrible stories we've seen with him. And he did go to a treatment facility for about 60 minutes. So hopefully that's going to help him. But I really hope we don't have to tell any more stories like this. Well, it's not going to help him. This is all old John ja Morant is what I'm helping. The parents need to go to the facility. Or they just need to go it's, away. John Morant's father said he'll take the blame. And then we have now his mother sending Morant and his friends to go threaten this person. They get into it with a security guard at the mall. Point being, from here on out, no one takes the blame but John Morant. And that's moving forward. That's how I'm viewing this. When this was all going down, I, I said it here. I'll say it again. He should have sent his parents away on a trip somewhere. He should have sent his family that was causing some of these problems. He's doing it. I'm not, I'm not completely separating him from the issues, but it's a lot of who's around him. Right. Send them away on a vacation to Europe. Send them somewhere. Get through the end of this season in a playoff run and then reevaluate what it's going to be moving forward. Buy them a new house in South Carolina, well, where you're from. Put the, send them away. I don't know that this is getting better unless there's not just improvement – from John Morant's decision-making standpoint, but his parents also, every friend, family member that's around him in Memphis, everyone's got to get better or they have to leave. They have to go away and leave him alone. Yep. One of the two. And it's a difficult spot for him. I mean, it, it sounds simple, but when you have your family members... It's tough. And you've never had to do this, where you've been in the spotlight to this extent, where you've had to separate because it's always worked out in your favor. It's a difficult decision when you have everyone trying to pick sides and you know grab what they can based on the superstar status of who Morant is. It's sad, but that's, I mean, it, he can go to any treatment facility he wants to and more power to him. 
but I haven't heard anything about the the parents doing this. No, and, and that's these are they're the headline of the story for the most part. Other, it, it is built into John Morant becoming the headline solo, and it it will be moving forward. They've met with the he's met with the commissioner Adam Silver. He took the suspension, and from here on out, it's on Morant to get it right because he's got the opportunity to do so. Coming up, Daryl Johnston. Moose Johnston joins us. He is the president of the USFL, which kicks off on April 15th, and also former Cowboy, Fox Sports analyst for Sunday football, and so much more. We dive into a variety of topics with Moose next on Hot Mike. The USFL is back. It's back, baby. Saturday, April. It's like 15th. it never even left, Hutton. That's right. And it's like we're right back in Birmingham again. It's amazing. I would, I would love to be. 4.30 yeah. Eastern on Fox is when it kicks off on April 15th. And Daryl Moose Johnston, now the president of the USFL, he joins us on Hot Mike. Moose, great to have you back on. Congrats on season two and what should be a jam-packed schedule based on all the hubs and the fact that we've seen now the players from last season make an impact in the most recent NFL season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, look forward to working with you again this season, season two. So yeah, Cavante Turpin has obviously been our biggest ambassador after, after season one with the USFL, but we had a number of guys get up. We had 20 guys uh, that got into the NFL camps, got a couple on the street right now. That's kind of interesting. Our guys haven't picked them back up, but had 18 guys, you know, get to that 53 at, at different points during the course of the year. So a lot of workouts, a lot of training camp opportunities, and then some guys that did exactly what we've talked about is they've had the opportunity to get to the NFL for a tryout, to make an appearance, to give it a shot. But we wanted to be able to give them the opportunity not only to take that shot, but to stick, to get back to the NFL and stay in the NFL. We were able to do that with 18 of our guys last year. So that's a that's a huge change for them in their lives. I think what's great, too, is the home atmospheres that we'll see. Because in Birmingham, when the Stallions were playing, you had the crowd, right? And now with all the hubs, you should have that home field feel to the broadcast, which will obviously come through the television to those watching the games too. Yeah, that was one of the things that that we heard loud and clear from our fans last year and, and, and appreciate the feedback is, you know, they loved all the technology and all the different things that we were doing during the course of the broadcast. But, you know, seeing those empty seats in the background was something that that uh, wasn't a real big positive for them. So, you know, what can we do uh, to help eliminate that? And and that was exactly what you said, get into more markets, create more home field opportunities and home game crowds. And so by spreading out into three additional hubs this year, we're going to be able to do that. Right now, Memphis is training very, very well for our opening game. I think the people in Canton have been fantastic. And that's that's a relationship that was hard. We don't really have a home team in Canton right now. We're obviously close to Pittsburgh, and we're going to try and pull from that. But the experience we had with the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame Village last year in camp when we held our playoffs there was was a relationship that we wanted to expand upon. And, and Detroit has really been uh, one of those those fan bases that's really connected back to the previous go around with the USFL and, and really has done a nice job with the ticket sales there. So we're expecting some good attendance there for the opener a couple of weeks into the season. Daryl Moose Johnston with us on OutKick. So it Spinning off of what you said about Canton, it, it, the conversations for a hub did come from the, the playoffs last year? 
number one, getting into those home markets and, you know, just not being able to find a real great fit in Pittsburgh right out of the gate. We're continuing to work on that. Um, not being able to find a real great fit um, in Northern Jersey, still trying to work on that. But those are the two teams that we've got in that Canton hub. But I think everybody that was with us on the trip to our playoffs and the time we spent in Canton understood that that was important and, and really for our players. And, and I'll never forget this. We had, we had Jimmy Johnson come up and he addressed all four teams after a tour, after a lunch, and just kind of shared, you know, Jimmy's style of, of his passion for football. And it, it was something that, that meant a lot to me because the very last thing that was said was exactly what we wanted our players to hear. And one of the guys asked Jimmy, he goes, if my film was to come across your desk, you know, what would, what would your thought process be? in evaluating me for an opportunity to come to the NFL. And, and Jimmy was great. He said, listen, to, to get to my desk, obviously you're a good football player. You know, the people that have evaluated the scouts, everybody in our personnel department has gotten you to that point. So you're a good football player, but I'm going to reach back into your past. I'm going to talk to all the coaches that had an impact on you or who were around you, who coached you that I know that are in my network. I'm going to look at my my guys, my players that I've coached before and find out if anybody was on a team with you, I'm going to reach out to him. I want to find out what kind of guy you are more than anything, what kind of competitor you are. I know what kind of football player you are, but there's so much more that goes into that. And, and that was exactly what our guys needed to hear last year at that time. Moose, a year ago, being down there for that first opening weekend, there was a lot of anxiety around everyone putting this thing together that it would go off without a, a problem. And if there was a problem, we didn't see it. So that was job well done on that. We go back a month later, and by that time, it felt like a well-oiled machine in Birmingham with the living situation, with how the operations are run and everything else. Do you feel less anxiety coming into this year, or does it feel like year one times two because of these different venues you're going to be operating out of now? It's such a different feeling. Last year, you didn't know how chaotic the environment was until we got back to Birmingham this year, and there was only two teams, and we could kind of settle into a good pace. Um, I've been to more practices this year than I was all of last season. It, you just felt like you couldn't step out of the office because there were so many things that were happening that needed your attention. So we, we don't have that feel this year, but the one thing I think that we're all – a little bit nervous about is we had strength in numbers last year. It was all hands on deck. Um, we, we don't have that this year. We're kind of, we're thin. We're, we're a lean crew in, in every hub, but we've got really great people. So uh, we, we stay in contact continually. Um, we all have different challenges from day to day, from week to week through training camp. But that same entrepreneurial spirit that we had last year is, is shining through in all the different homes in Detroit. Uh, you know, they've got the, the biggest challenge there is kind of the nomadic style of what they're doing. They're they're staying at a hotel in Ann Arbor. They're practicing in Ypsilanti at Eastern Michigan, and they're going to play their games at Ford Field in Detroit. So they're all over the map when you talk about logistics and travel. Uh, you know, with Canton, we had a couple of, of issues early on with some things happening in the locker room. We lost some heat for the Pittsburgh Maulers early on. And uh, it, it was a little bit it was a little bit cold there at the beginning of the season in Canton. So I had to fight through that one. And and Memphis has had its own issues. So we've all experienced challenges um, and, and everybody has risen to the occasion. So the concerns we had, I, I think we all are, are are a little bit more confident after hearing the challenges that, that each group has had in each individual hub and the way that they've responded to make it seem like you said last year, you know, we, we were definitely the duck in the water, right? It looked great on the top.
you know, on the surface, but, you know, down below there's, there's legs kicking and moving as, as fast as they can. And uh, we don't have that sense right now, but it's just the fact that we don't have each other to lean on. It's, it's a little bit different here in year two. Doubleheader to kick off the USFL season, Saturday, April 15th, 4.30 Eastern, the kickoff on Fox. Daryl Moose Johnston with us. He's the president now overseeing the, the Spring League, the USFL. Vice president last year, Moose, and now if you step into this role, um, you're overseeing uh, a, a league. And, and by the way, I, I would say this for any league. Longevity is not something that we would, we would use to describe anything from the past. Is that at the forefront of every decision you make, making sure that the USFL is here to stay beyond what we've seen from leagues past? And by the way, you've already surpassed that. Yeah, kind of exactly what we talk about with our players, right? You know, they've had an opportunity to be in the in the NFL. We want them to stay there. You know, yeah. it's, it's the same thing for us. There's been opportunities for spring leagues in the past, but we want to stay. We want to stay here. We want to be sustainable. Uh, and a lot of that is, you know, the, the different elements of the entire organization, the quality of the football, uh, the continuity. I think that that's been one of the big things we've heard from our coaches this year is we were so far down the road going from last year to this year. And it was a challenge that we gave all of them. When we ended last season, we said, listen, we can't start year two where we leave off in year one. We've got to be further down the road. And, and I think one of the one of the more advantageous things about the pandemic was coaches learning how to coach remotely. And, and our coaches did a great job in the offseason this year with their installs, uh, doing that remotely, getting them further down the road and just the familiarity with their players stepping into the same systems. We had some changes at the head coaching level. Um, so that did impact uh, sometimes the offensive side of the ball, sometimes the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but sometimes we were able to keep a lot of that in place. And so being able to have continuity with players on the roster, being able to have continuity with the scheme that we're using offensively and defensively, I think everybody feels a lot more comfortable in year two. Uh, and, and now it's just getting out and kind of shifting everything. And I think it's going to be interesting to see. I, you know, that, that scrimmage in Memphis uh, last week, uh, we had the four teams from the Southern Hub in Memphis and, and got to see everybody for the first time in the Southern uh, Southern Division. Um, I, there, there's some things that that I'm really, really interested to see in year two. And, and uh, you know, some of the teams that, that had a tough go last season looked really good this year in that first scrimmage. You know, to all the critics out there, Moose, that would say, you know, who, who needs spring football? You know, who needs this? Who cares? I, I point to baseball and other sports that have so many opportunities for so many minor league teams out there. And I think here is the most important and most watched sport in America. That's a huge part of the fabric of the culture and football. And all you've had is college and NFL for so long. So my question would be, why not? If we've got 18 different divisions of minor league baseball offering up opportunities to baseball players that are trying to make it, how do we not have this, this spring league? and an opportunity for football players out there if it's much more watched and much more valuable to America right now. What do you think when you, you hear the critics that say things like that about the setup with spring football and its place in the sports world? I, I don't know where they formulate that opinion. I, everybody needs what we provide in the USFL. Every offensive lineman, every quarterback that is not part of an NFL team on an NFL roster right need right now needs our league. Um, the NCAA has always been the feeder, but the NCAA was the first group to shorten the amount of time on field, the way they're practicing. Um, you know, maybe they felt that it was more athlete student than student athlete, you know, in a generation past. Uh, and they wanted to focus more on the academics and, and give kids an opportunity 
to graduate. But I tell you what, the, the impact from that was time committed to your sport. And, you know, we've seen that impact in a number of different positions. The two that I mentioned, the offensive line and the quarterback position are the ones that struggle the most. So the players coming to the NFL are behind the curve from where they were 10, 12, 15 years ago. Uh, they, they don't have the time in the NCAA to commit to their craft. And what we do is we provide that opportunity to come in and really focus on your craft in a professional environment with good coaches. One of the things that we focus on are our head coaches and, and bringing the guys in that are good teachers that have a great network that can create a great staff. You know, this season we had four changes. You know, half of our league, 50% of our league turns over at the head coaching position. And we're able to bring in 121 years of coaching experience to our league this year, five Super Bowl championships. Uh, you know, that that's huge. That's awesome. Our guys are going to be able to be around these coaches and learn how to get better at every position that they're playing. But for anybody who says, why do we need uh, any type of league that's that's alternative uh, to the NFL? Uh, it, it's such a simple answer. And, and you can focus on two positions. Um, but a lot of times it's not what's wrong with you as a football player. There, there's other areas that we need to to work with the players on to get them to stay in the NFL, accountability, uh, punctuality, uh, just being a pro every day. We, we talk about it constantly here in the USFL. Be a pro in everything you do all day long. And that's not just being on the football field and practicing or being on the football field on game day. It's everything you do every day. Be a pro and, and, and represent your team or league in the right way. So we're, we're trying to not just create the complete football player, but we're trying to, to create the complete young man that plays football. Moose, we had Pereira on uh, recently, and he said that not much is going to change from the rules from last year to this year. He mentioned something about kickoffs, and I'm, I'm sure you'll hit on that. But as far as uh, broadcast, uh, access, let's see, the, the drones, everything else that was implemented, is all that coming back? And are there new things to the broadcast that we'll notice? You know what? I... I don't know if we've done anything different from a okay. production standpoint. The drones are back. The helmet cams are uh, back. By the way, I think better. that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I love the audio. I think everybody talked yeah. about the video that we generated, but I love the audio. I love the access that the uh, that the viewer got from the audio. Uh, I love the steady cam that comes into the huddle area. Uh, I loved what, what Brock Heward was able to do last yeah. year um, during the course of the broadcast and, and get that information. I have a tremendous respect for every single one of our analysts in the U in the USFL that do our games because they're getting information from an offense or a defense that they don't play in. And they're expected to know exactly what's happening because that audio is coming on prior to the snap and the viewer is going to want to know, Hey, where do my eyes need to be? What do I need to be looking at? And our guys do a tremendous job of, of being prepared uh, in the meeting time that they have with our players and coaches to kind of, to glean some of that information so they can share that with the viewer. Um, you know, I, I think the big thing this year is, is one of the things we're doing is, is actually on the sideline, you know, with the, the ability for our players to have video. Um, there's a new trick there is we're going to be able to draw on that screen. So the the, the coaches up in the booth are going to be able to, to draw on the iPad, the, the video that goes down to the sideline. So if you're talking to your quarterback, you can have a conversation. We're actually dissecting the video this year, which is something new. I think that that's going to be awesome. Uh, I think that some of our guys in the booth may actually be able to have access to that as well. So mm -hmm. there's some things behind the scenes uh, in the production uh, from that standpoint that I think are going to elevate our broadcast even more, but we're going to stick with what we had last year, double sky cam sky cams coming in from the defensive side of the ball. I thought was a great perspective last year. It's something that you don't get to see in the NFL because they don't want them coming in that way for the potential of a football, you know, coming in the way of, of one of the sky cams, but, but our, 
our Skycam controllers were fantastic last year. They understand their escape points. They understand the timing uh, with the snap of the football and make sure they're in certain places so that doesn't become an issue. So there's a tremendous amount of focus on, on what our guys do from a production standpoint. Uh, and, and they did a great job pushing the limit last year. And, and, and I thought kind of growing into, okay, I've got all these whistles and bells here, but but how do I not get too far away from a traditional broadcast that the viewer is going to want to see? How do I make this a positive addition to it and maybe not so much overwhelming with this shiny new object that I've got? Moose Johnston, our guest. Uh, spring football, by the way, no no stranger to Moose. Uh, he's worked in, in spring leagues prior to even the USFL. Uh, now the president of the USFL, Moose. Is this... I, I, I've seen articles where... People are asking the question, like, do we see Moose Johnson in a front office soon? Is that is that the path that you you hope to take or are currently taking? Or is this a great balance between NFL offseason for you uh, for what you do in the booth for Fox Sports? No, I just I love the game of football. Um, it's provided so much to me in my life uh, that, that I've always felt that responsibility to kind of be an ambassador, um, you know, in, in these these leagues in the spring. Um, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to shift the trajectory of several young men's lives. And that's that's something that's very important to me. Um, I, I take it day by day. You know, I've, I've told people this. Emmett Smith, you know, Emmett Smith is one of those guys that sets goals and, and he has them written down and, and they're on the mirror in the bathroom. And it's a motivational point every day. You know, I kind of wake up and attack the day. I've got I've got things I'm thinking about down the road, but but I, I'm not sure you know, what my path is that God wants me to walk, you know, every day. So I just kind of wake up and, and take advantage of the opportunities that are presented to me. Um, and that has led me to this this position right now. And, and, and I don't change. I'm still the same. Um, you know, prior to getting on with you guys today, we were going to pick up our, our Porta Pool fans, you know, from storage to get them ready for the opener here in Birmingham because it's gotten a little bit warm. <laughs> Um, you know, we had to get some Vizio coolers out of our off-season program gym and bring them back to our, our in-season gym. So, uh, you know, for me, it's it's just it's it's leading by example. It's being a good teammate. Um, I, I don't really have uh, a, a vision for where I want to be. I'd, I'd, I'd love the opportunity. Obviously, everybody, you know, sees the NFL. And if, if that presents itself, um, you know, that that's something I'll deal with down the road. But but right now, my focus is making sure the USFL exceeds expectations in year two, takes a step forward from year one. Uh, and I look forward to, again, uh, kind of what we talked about last year as the season started. I can't wait to get back to Canton, Ohio and crown our second champion in the USFL in July. The USFL.com for ticket information for all the hubs. And again, April 15th is the kickoff. Saturday, April 15th, 4.30 Eastern on Fox. NFL team, Moose, that's improved the most this offseason. Who comes to mind? NFL team that's improved the most? A lot of movement. Uh, I know, I know. Uh, I, I get I get so caught up with everything we're doing here. Uh, I, I try to stay on top of it as much as I can. Uh, the one thing that I have noticed is actually a lot of the teams that were at the top. You know how many how many players have left some of the teams that, that were good. You know that salary right. cap has finally started to have an impact. And we've seen some of the teams that have been good for several years now. They they are definitely into a big rebuilding rebuilding phase. Um, that's a that's a great question. Uh, you know, off the top of my head, I I wouldn't be able to throw one out to you. Um, I like what Detroit's done. You know, they're one of the teams that I look at. They, they've lost a couple of key guys, but but I think they brought some guys in that really fit what Dan Campbell is building there. I think we're going to see a big transition um, in the NFC North. 
Uh, I, I think you're looking at the Detroit Lions getting on top of that division and, and the way that that Dan has built that with his staff. Um, I, I think they're going to be there for a while. I, I love the style of play. He's a guy that sees the game the same as I do from the inside out. Um, you have to have a good offensive line and a good defensive line to have success in the NFL. It all starts in the trenches. And, and Dan played that position as a tight end. He knows how important that is. So he and I seem to see the game very similarly. Uh, and, and I just, I've loved what he's done since he's gotten that opportunity and he's gotten better and better every year. And one of the things we talk about here in the USFL is crawl, walk, run. And you can see Dan Campbell doing that same thing. Got in and that first season, a little, little bit of a crawl as he was trying to get it turned around. He was walking last year, but I'm getting ready to watch the Detroit Lions get on a run here pretty soon. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the Lions. Chad and I have discussed them as one of the contenders. If if Rodgers ends up in New York, and we think he will, I mean, they'll, exactly. that'll be the the super team, right? Quote, unquote. But that's the, we but had, the, we the had Lions the Jets are building. The, the Lions are building. Yeah. Lions are building. We had the Jets down the stretch, and, and obviously the quarterback situation there. There is a lot of really good pieces in place in New York, and yes, you plug and play a guy like Aaron Rodgers into that offensive line with the running backs and the wide receivers they have with the defense that Robert Sala and Jeff Albrick have built. Um, that That's a team that you never want to say you're just one player away because I'll never believe that in the NFL, but, but when you're talking about the assets that they have right now, you stick a guy – like Aaron Rodgers with that quality of quarterback, that size of an upgrade, that that will shift the New York Jets uh, right into the top of the, the contenders in the AFC. Moose, thanks so much, man. We, we're excited about year two, uh, getting a chance to, to take in the USFL again without kick and Fox. And uh, can't wait for the kickoff on the 15th. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Look forward to working with you guys throughout the season and, and look forward to seeing you in Birmingham. Yeah, Thank you so here, much. Appreciate Best you. of luck. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Great guy. They've got a, a perfect hire there for the president of USFL and, and Moose. Uh, a fantastic job in year one as the VP and now taking on more responsibility as they press forward. And, and what is a, a big moment for the league? Because they, they wanted one hub on purpose to make sure that monetarily they doing. could survive. Because, I mean, longevity for a spring league so far has been like a couple of seasons, one season. Just make well, it through the first Getting the go-ahead to expand was a big deal. Yeah. And now, and now expanding is the next hurdle. Because the thought was it's going to expand to one other hub. Yeah. And now it's at four right. going into year two. Coming up, so we've got the broadcast, the Manning cast. When will we see more branches from what the Manning brothers have done for other sports? We're starting to see it in Major League Baseball. And we're seeing the weather have an effect not just on the players at Augusta, but on the course Trees are coming down, believe it or not, based on the conditions. That's next on Hot Mike. Something we've never seen happen at, at the Masters. Uh, I've certainly never seen it. No. Uh, wind, we knew there were going to be massive wind gusts today at Augusta. The rain's coming, and it has been. There's been lightning as well. Trees are falling. A tree fell as uh, they're doing this broadcast, and there's video of it here on uh, patrons. Uh, Scott Van Pelt, by the way, reporting no injuries, but the 17 T box is where the tree fell from, and it's uprooted. Chad, I'm, I'm getting photos now live, <laughs> uh, but you can see just uh, the, the craziness of the wind and a tree falling. I don't know how people were not injured here because based on the video that apparently we can't show, even though it's on Twitter, um, is 
uh, crazy. It looks like people are rushing over to make sure everyone's cool uh, and, and, and okay. Chairs underneath the, the tree as well. These massive pines that are, uh, you know, now on, on the grounds of Augusta. I don't know what would, would they just cancel the whole thing if someone died? Uh, I, mean, I don't I think mean, again, so. Unprecedented. I, I pro they probably keep playing. It would be after a delay. Unprecedented. I mean, I don't know how you keep playing with the tree over the tee box, but well, <laughs> I mean, having been there, this is not me humble bragging, but we have been there. Those trees are extremely tall and extremely thin. They are for the height of them. You're it's right. one of those when That's you look at them, you think, man, nature's a, a miraculous thing because these trees just stand the test of time and never blow over. So then when I see it blow over, I'm both shocked and not surprised to see one of those things uprooted because they look like this enormous yeah. twig that goes straight in the air with the pine around it with these huge Georgia pines that are there at Augusta National. And I'm shocked no one got hurt. I am too. It looked like there were chairs underneath it. And obviously no one was sitting in the chair at the time, but thank God for that. And again, because uh, it looked terrible. Van Pelt saying no injuries at the 17th tee. It's going from the 16 green to 17 tee. The broadcast itself shows Sergio chipping out of a bunker and then craziness in the left corner of the broadcast where you see the, the tree fall and there are people on the ground around the tree. Yeah, the, the, I, guess, them up. I guess Dodge got out of the way in Amazing. time. Amazing. They saw it. Crazy yeah. to think about the roots of this thing are enormous. <laughs> this tree that was uprooted crazy and it is laying across and the thank, 17th hey, thank right god now. this wasn't on a sunday where the weather was otherwise nice and a tree fell or a gust of wind blew one down yeah because i'm i'm guessing with the weather the way it is and the forecast upcoming and on a on a friday you're not going to have the same crowds as saturday and sunday well and they also that they there weren't as play. many people around they had just suspended play and then and then they continued play recently so people are still trying to get back out on the course but man it Again, uh, another time could have been disastrous. We, we, we discussed earlier rules for the game of golf that we've never seen uh, and, and how it impacts around. Here it is with a, a tree uprooted, uh, which may happen at the uh, local McMinnville Country Club, Chad, but I've never seen it uh, at one of the majors, especially at Augusta National. Well, if a tree falls over at the local McMinnville Country Club, the odds of it hitting through. someone very low yeah. because there's probably not a ton of people on the course and there's certainly no patrons. <laughs> That are watching the rounds being played it on the course. My car, is what so the fact that it did not hit anyone <laughs> on the Friday of a, a Masters tournament is a, a, a minor miracle. So I'm thrilled to report that, at least according to Scott Van Pelt, yeah, there are no injuries. Yeah, he's saying no injuries. And um, the next thing we'll get the grounds crew rushing to get this off of the tee box at 17. Because oh, part that of thing's it, part already of it's laying over the top, the part of uh, top of it. Knowing how quick they work at Augusta, I bet that whole thing's been through a wood chipper already. It's already gone. It's mulch. That tree is mulch now. Within five minutes, that thing was probably removed. I was reading where the volunteers for the grounds crew, if you're selected, so they have uh, like 150 grounds crew members, and they rotate different jobs. But it is like a you're signing up to volunteer for a grueling stretch where it's you know it's not just the four-day tournament it's like a week and a half of preparation up, yeah. and then you actually have the tournament and the hours involved where you have i think the guys are given like 20 minutes for lunch and that's it that's their break and then everything else is what whatever they're assigned to go do which they may send like 20 guys out 20 people out to go you know rake 
bunkers for like the first four holes or something while the the main part of the television broadcast continues throughout the course. I was fascinated by it. I love Augusta. It's beautiful. I don't love it enough to sign up for free work what? to that level just well, to be there. But people do it because you get the free round. You get to play oh. next week along with the volunteers that help you get into the course. Everybody there gets a chance to play around. I, I don't love playing golf enough to want to do that either. But for those I, that love man. to play golf, I can see the appeal. You wouldn't play, you wouldn't play Augusta? Oh, I would play it, but I'd be terrible. I don't oh, play enough to I don't play enough to even enjoy it that much. I mean, I would love to go, you know, strike a divot into that course. I mean, if I hit one Big decent chunk. shot, I'd be happy all day, but <laughs> I don't love it enough to want to go work that many hours for free to play one round. It's a passion. It's a hobby. But and I'm sure there's a waiting list to sign up for it because people want to do it for sure. Uh, the position you should avoid in the NFL draft, that's next.